Dave, all right. We're get, we're about to talk to somebody right now who has a head of hair that you, I do not want to talk to this guy. You will kill for his head of hair. I mean, it, he is uh, he's a man with a a very impressive head of hair. Yeah, and but, a, you an know, impressive resume. As it well. turns out there are other reasons to talk to him, uh, and and we'll be doing that uh, here because it's time for Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. So not only do we have a celebrity on the show this week, Dave, this celebrity is in Brazil. Yes. So, you know, the connection uh, is not as great as, as uh, it could be, but uh, we've we've jumped through some hoops and we've got him on. And this week's guest is uh, a famous writer, director, producer. You may know him from the MTV show Catfish or as the writer, director of the film We Are Your Friends, which starred Zac Efron, Wes Bentley from Yellowstone. One of our recent guests, Molly mm-hmm. Hagan. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you know him as the director of an HBO documentary called 15 Minutes of Shame, for which he teamed up with Monica Lewinsky. But for me, he will always be the 23rd ranked hottest guy in America on <laughs> Chloe is a Zombie's IMDb Top 100 Hot Guys list. Please welcome to the show, Max Joseph. How are you, Max? I'm good. Where <laughs> did you pull that last shot from? Aren't you impressed? It's you should check out. Go to your IDM IMDb page, and and look on the right side there. It has you listed uh, on this woman's. Uh, yeah. You know, Chloe is a zombie. Chloe is a zombie. Top one hundred guy. In fact, isn't it true that Zach Efron rubbed it in your face that he was ranked twenty spots higher than you when you worked together on that show? I don't believe we ever fully, uh, you know, he just felt, it was just clear that I won that, you know, the sexiest guy ranking. Uh-huh. And so we never really got into it. It was just kind of a, a, a given. It was so, like, a, it was an unspoken kind of thing, right? Uh, so Exactly. So yeah. I'm going to be like my mom, who, yeah. God rest her soul. Oh, you're 23rd, yeah? Why aren't you 22nd? <laughs> or why aren't you 21st? <laughs> Uh, it might be because you're um, you're unnaturally gray, right? I mean, you went gray early, right? That's correct. I don't think. I think that if anything, that has put me higher on the list. Yeah, I think oh, that's, that's, uh, that's I think I'd be lower if I just uh, right. I, the unnatural, un, unnaturally gray look has kind of caught on in recent years. A lot of people are doing it. A lot of people ask me if I if I dye my hair. They assume I do. And I, I have to tell them that I don't, that this is what I call stress gray. <laughs> okay. Um, came from, you know, a lot of, a lot of worrying and anxiety went into this, this, this coloration. Well, now you're talking our language. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anxiety, worry. That's right, pretty right. much. Uh, I took the bald route, though. <laughs> yeah. I think I probably should have taken the uh, gray hair route. I, uh, I took the bald route, though. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know. It, it, there, there are two paths, right? But you, you took the path. I don't know if it's more, more taken. The path more taken or less taken. I don't know. Well, uh, I, I don't want to. I, you know. Well, I think there's only two guys in your. About. There's only two guys in your category. You and Steve Martin yeah. are the only two that I that's can right. think of. Well, Richard Gere. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one. And the dude who won American Idol, Taylor Hicks. 
Okay. Wasn't he another one that turned great? Hey, your show, Catfish. There's some others. Your show, Catfish, is great. And we actually, it was a guilty pleasure of mine. I would, you know, I had teenage daughters um, who would watch the show, and I would kind of sneak. I'd, you know, I'd look at him like, "What are you watching?" And then I'd go upstairs yeah. and watch it. Girls, go to your room right now. Um, now, Rick and I work a little older, uh, as as our, you as you uh, know by our, our technical our, inefficiency our technical this morning. Issues. We'll have to tell that story in a little. Bit. <laughs> but but we do remember the Notre Dame story. I'm sure you know Manti Teo, right? It's the famous story about him getting catfished. Now we had never heard of the term. Before then, did that did the incident did that incident inspire the show? Was it already on the air? Do you remember the Manti Teo of the the Notre Dame linebacker? Oh, I, re- I remember. Um, I mean, I think we probably benefited more from that story than Manti Teo did. Um, we had already been making the show. Okay. We had already shot the first season. We, Neve, and I were actually in. London, uh, doing the premiere of the show there, kind of uh, promoting the, the, the debut premiere of the episode, first episode there, and that the Deadspin article broke the story, and all of a sudden, we were like, we were talking to Anderson Cooper, and we were being <laughs> yeah. quoted. Another guy uh, who went crazy early. Like, I, we did like, yeah, we did, like, it was the middle of the night, and like, all of a sudden we were doing like a live hit with CNN uh, talking about Manti Teo. I, I don't know anything about sports. Uh, Neve really, I mean, I know about playing sports, but I'm not like a, I'm not like a, a, a I don't do fantasy football or any of that stuff. I, I've been woefully, it's a, it's a, a very unmasculine quality of mine. <laughs> um, and uh, it's been a problem my entire life but none more so in my lack of knowledge about uh, football um, around this period of time. But the Manti Teo thing definitely helped elevate the show and just the the world's consciousness. And before long, not long after that, we were being parodied on SNL. Yeah. It was another kind of crazy rite of passage. So yeah, the Manti Teo thing definitely helped but the show was already in motion before that. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He's not responsible for that. So you've done hundreds of episodes of the show. Um, the, in your mind, looking back on it now, what is the most dramatic episode or the most, uh, you know, memorable catfishing that uh, you can you can tell us about that people can go up and and, and check out right now. There was a 90-minute episode that we did in Bullet, Kentucky. And it was far and away the, the episode I remember the most. It, I also think it turned out the best. Sometimes, I mean, they, they're all great, but sometimes you shoot an episode and then you watch it and there's a lot that got cut out of it and, and it doesn't quite necessarily feel like we did the story justice. This is like our one ninety-minute episode, whereas most of them are are under an hour, and it really felt like the uh, edit did the story justice. And it was a crazy story. This girl 
um, the stroke's father had murdered her mother and went to prison. And this is when this girl was like three years old or, or, or very young. And it happened in front of her and her sister. And the, the father went to prison and then he ended up um, dying in, in prison. Um, I may have committed suicide. kind of forgot that part. But now, like 10, 12 years later, this girl starts to get messages. She's now like a teenager. And she starts to get messages from a medium in Florida, in Jupiter, Florida, of all places, saying that this medium has been speaking to her father and is, wants to connect with her and say things to her. And this woman in, in Jupiter, Florida, Florida, this medium knew things that you could not have possibly known through the Internet, through any kind of police report, through anything. Um, secrets that only this girl knew. And weird supernatural things were even happening when we were shooting the episodes. Like, I, just like animals were like coming like way too close to us, like a raccoon, like seemed like got, was standing on its hind legs and like walked up to us while we were shooting. And, and then there, we had like a medium session. I, you know, I didn't believe in any of that stuff going into this episode. And I definitely came out of this episode being like, you know what? There are definitely things that are just unexplained, and this is one of them, and, and I witnessed it. And, like, it's got to be for real. Like, these things are for real. Wow. So that was the best Catfish episode. Do you remember? Uh, I mean, like, that is my, that's the one that I remembered and, and really left a, a, a deep impression on me. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that uh, do you remember the name of the episode so people can find it by any chance? I believe it's Hila, and let me let me Google it really quickly. That's really pathetic that I need to Google well, my own. Episode. Google the IMBD <laughs> list and see if you're really twenty third, or do we just no? He's going to get yeah. too upset when he sees who's ahead of him. <laughs> Got like Don Knotts ahead Hila. of you, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Kayla and Courtney. Okay. All right. Kayla and Courtney. Um, That's the one. The, That's uh, the one. Watch that one. So you left the show to pursue your other interests, writing and directing, right? Why don't we go over that a little bit about your reason for leaving the show? Yeah, I mean, for seven and a half wonderful years, um, I was making the show and it was, it was great and I had a blast doing it, but it was, you know, it's kind of the same thing over and over again. And I, there were a lot of other things I wanted to do with my time, with my life. I, you know, my, I had gotten married the year we started making the show. My wife is not, was not from America and she came to live with me. And then all of a sudden that's like, Hey, Let's get married. Welcome to America. All right, I'm going to be on the road now for, you know, unpredictably for, you know, nine to ten months out of the year. Right. Um, and you can come with me or, you know. And she did come with me for a while at the beginning, and then that got tiring. And so after seven and a half years of not, like, I you know, couldn't make any plans, the episodes kind of came together 
very, very quickly. And so we were always like kind of on call. And sometimes those episodes would fall through. But it, like, let's say you were my best friend. You said, "Hey, Max, I'm getting married in in a year from now, and I want you to be the best man at my wedding." Um, I'd say, "I don't know if I can come." Yeah, right. Because because of catfish. Um, and so it was just kind of this. I mean, it was it was great, but it was also just like I never knew what I was doing until the day before. Sometimes an episode would fall through, and it's like, oh, hey, um, hey, friends, I can go to that wedding that's tomorrow, or now I can spend time with my wife, and um, and and obviously that made planning any other kind of production uh, thing very hard. So. After a while, the show just kind of kept on going. I kept on thinking, all right, like, this has got to be the last season. And it just wasn't. It just wasn't. <laughs> you were I mean, pissed when they it renewed it. On... No, not at all. Oh. But I was just like, at some point, like, if it, if it doesn't end, I'm going to have to just leave. Um, and, you know, it didn't end, and so I left. But, you know, the show has continued. It's so great. People love Tammy, who, you know, has taken my place and expanded the role and and we all you know we're all close we're all friendly so no no ill will or anything like that it's not like one of those juicy dramatic stories um and now i've got i've been able to do like a lot of film and tv stuff and make short films and i made a feature that came out uh, a doc that came out two years ago and i've got a couple other really exciting things that I've been working on. So, you know, it, it, it was great. Well, uh, let's talk about one of those things. Cause I, I really enjoyed your, your documentary, 15 minutes of shame. Uh, you know, covered, you know, in some ways it is similar to catfish. I mean, it covers some similar things. It's, it's about people who have been canceled. It's a word I hate, but I'm using it for shorthand here, um, for uh, stupid mistakes they made or, you know, or like a moment of madness uh, in the in the era of social media, something can happen in a split second, and then you could just your whole life could be ruined. Uh, talk to us about some of those stories in that film that affected you, and and why why they affected you. Yeah, well, fifteen minutes of shame is very near and dear to my heart. I I kind of came up with the desire to make it while I was making Catfish. Um, you know, I was seeing, obviously, the dark side of the Internet and a lot of the stories we were exploring on the show, but also I would see how when the episode aired, people on the Internet would drag. That's a term that your kids know. I hope maybe you guys know it. Like, they would, the people who participated on our show, who we kind of, you know, we... We, they trusted us and, and we won them over and, and they came out of their shells, whether they were, you know, the catfish or the hopeful, they, they did a brave thing and they put themselves out there to come on the show. And then I would see how Twitter would treat them right. when they came on. And it was really disheartening, especially because the show was about kind of coming clean and, and redemption. And it seemed like we were, trying to push those values. And I, I imagine that anyone who liked the show or watched the show at some point 
you realize that, like, yes, while this person may have done something that's messed up, right. at least here they are taking credit for it. But people were really just being mean. And I just was watching this kind of the, the meanness just snowball, just not on our show, but just on the Internet in general. And then, of course, there's the, the 2016 election and then the, the, all the meanness online that kind of continued right. after that. And I was like, we, we, we got to talk about this. You know, whether it's people being canceled for, for something dumb that they said or, you know, using, using canceling as a social activist tool that can be very effective to cyber harassment, revenge porn, you know, um, uh, just kind of like racist hate mobs. Like the, the Internet was being weaponized for all sorts of meanness. Yeah, I, I, I call it the uh, I call it the assholeification <laughs> of America. <laughs> wouldn't you Wouldn't yeah. you agree? Isn't there, that kind of what's happened? Real assholeification. Yeah, like totally. all, all of a sudden, like, it's totally fine to be an asshole. Yeah. Well, it should yeah. not be fine yeah. to be an asshole. Definitely has become. I mean, not only is it fine to be a, an asshole, but like it is financially. It's rewarding. Uh, and it's yet better rewarding to be an asshole. And like, there's a great book that I that I read and I interviewed the author for one of my short docs. He, um, he wrote a book called Assholes, and uh, his name is Aaron James. He's yeah, great. I've seen it on the bookshelf. It, it it catches your eye, doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, in in the book, he talks about kind of like the asshole industrial complex in America. And it's kind of true. It's like, you know, and he, he cites kind of pundits and cable news and, and how um, being a, prov- a provocateur and being controversial and saying outrageous, extreme things, like if people want to watch you. What is, what is he going to say next? And even if they might not like you in real life, you cre- being an asshole, all the you know make great entertainment, and so we like watching assholes. And because we like watching assholes, there's a lot of money to be made from assholes, which re- results in more assholes. Yeah, that's you right. Know, not that you guys, not that you guys are not assholes, but maybe no, if you're yeah. bigger assholes. We're just not very successful you know, assholes because we're we're like <laughs> mediocre assholes, which is the worst thing to be. You know, we're like kind of assholes. We don't get any we're of the benefits of being assholes an asshole. in training. Really, yeah, right. We're totally yeah, irrelevant assholes. <laughs> uh, you know, Monica Lewinsky. You had the pleasure of working with her on 15 Minutes of Shame, right? Uh, what a not an asshole. I, no, I yes, would, exactly. She, and that's what I was going to say. She seems so amazingly well-adjusted and really a nice person. And she, God, you got to give her so much credit for 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 being who she is. At the what was it like with Monica? Tell us about Monica. I mean, Monica has every reason to be very angry and very bitter and very vengeful, and she's just not. Like it's just not. Her character, it's not who she is. She, I don't know, she's very self-deprecating. She's very funny. She's extremely smart. Um, and this traumatic, awful thing, you know, happened to her. And, and she talks very frankly about it, you know, and she has publicly. And it takes a lot of guts to do that. And look, in 20 years, she went from being very much persona non grata, publicly shamed to having this crazy comeback, 
where people really see her as a survivor of something that is now happening to everybody. Right. Right. It's like when when she got canceled, publicly shamed in the late nineties, she was it, it felt like a one off, you know? The the Star Report was only available on the internet, right? This is ninety eight. And and she was kind of ground patient zero of what would become a very common occurrence, which is like having your private life completely overturned and becoming a public, publicly hated, disliked person, not being able to get a job, not being able to go anywhere in public, you know, hard to meet people because they'll Google you and see what you've done. And this is just very much the world we're living in now. Like her reality, her 1998 reality has very much become, you know, we're all one click away from that reality. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and where we started making, you know, it's interesting. Like when I started making 15 Minutes of Shame, it was really to talk about, I was really interested in schadenfreude and just like kind of our, our the masses, uh, including us, me and you, like everyone we know, our desire to see people being taken down and at like kind of our own vitriol and our enjoyment of those things and how in the role that we're all playing and kind of clicking and watching and enjoying this kind of sensational tabloidy, uh, all this content. Right. And what, where we ended up in the documentary is not really a place where I thought we'd end up, but we ended up talking about the lack of civil rights, on the internet, just kind of like not what I would have guessed we would we would land, and yet it's very much the truth. It's you know, the internet is still the wild west, yep. and there are there are all these unenforceable there there are no laws on the and the law. Sorry, I'm getting another call. I need to send it to voicemail. And the laws that there are on the internet, of which they're not they're not enforced. Police. The police don't even know how to enforce them. They're still, they're like you guys trying to get me, uh, you know, <laughs> on the on air, the, you <laughs> know, Brazil. the machine, yeah. Uh, yeah. on the machine. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's embarrassing. So there's like a, a, a real, no, totally normal. I, in Catfish, by the way, every time we would go to, to Skype or video chat with whoever it was that you see us video chatting with, that scene would would be delayed forty five minutes to an hour every time because of the same the same kind of thing. So yeah. don't. No. I think relationships more relationships fall apart because of technical. You know, if you're having a long distance relationship and it's all based on like video chatting, like if the internet's out, you're having problems. Like that can lead to you breaking up yeah. faster than any normal fight. Yes. Um, and yet we haven't anyway, broken that's up. That's my spiel. Max. You and I, we have we, not broken up. We yeah. Well, I, I we're recommend. Still in our phase. <laughs> that's right. I recommend people check it out. It's on HBO Max still. Uh, you can you can see it. Um, and and now you have been a writer, a producer, a director. You've been on camera. I my question is, what order do those appear on your business card? Can you rank them for us? What is what's your favorite part of those roles? Of you. So when, when someone comes up to me and they say, I'm, I, I love Catfish, I'm a big fan, that like feels, that feels good. 
feels pretty good. When someone comes up to me and they say, man, we are your friends, like my favorite movie of all time, like that's like, that's very high. That makes mm-hmm. me, that, that's like a, a euphoria that, that's much higher than the catfish euphoria. Uh, and then when people come up to me and they, they say, you know, I saw your, your short film on bookstores or on, on dicks, on being a dick, mm-hmm. not on dicks. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, it's not a biological documentary. Uh-huh. Right. Um, it's on leadership, and they say, you know, they, those films really helped me out or, or or changed me or something. But that really that that also rates very 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 high. Yeah. So, on my business card, I guess I, I I like being a filmmaker. I like being behind the camera. I like shaping stories, and I like creating things that. I don't know, that help people make sense of themselves, make sense of the world a little bit, as opposed to just kind of pure entertainment. But, I, I, you know, I like creating experiences for people. Um, and oddly, being on camera, though there are a lot of great perks to it, yeah. uh, it's not as enjoyable for me. Yeah. But the perks are amazing, I gotta say. Well, you're you're right. number twenty three, buddy. Yeah. Exactly. That, you wouldn't have been number twenty three <laughs> yeah. if you were just behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's true. No, I mean like look, you it's a to be on I guess part of the reason why I left Catfish Two is because I realized what it would take to continue to feed being an on on camera persona a lot it's a lot mm. that goes into it now. Yep. it's not like maybe it used to be like you need it you need to feed it you need to engage with the fans you need to keep up on social media you need to keep on saying things and those things that would help if those things that you're saying keep on getting more extreme you know and then you need to maybe let people into your private life and 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 you know you need to share what you're doing with your wife or mm. not doing with your wife and i don't know it's just the price of it seemed very high, and, and, and you can't let yourself go. You want a you want a cheeseburger, you know. Yeah. You got to think, oh, I'm going to be on camera <laughs> right, this exactly. week, but that cheeseburger sure looks good. And now you can have a cheeseburger. Right. You can even have a Reuben or a patty melt, whatever you want. Yeah, corned beef. <laughs> um, totally no hot wings for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> Eat this pizza. I'm speaking your guys' language. Yeah, yeah, we're in Chicago, say ne- right? yeah, next time you're in Chicago, we will take you <laughs> for deep dish pizza, and we'll be happy to. Uh, before we let you go, I want to talk about the 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 film that the short film that you just mentioned a couple seconds ago. Dicks, do you need to be one to be a successful leader? Um, tell us a little bit about that, and should we worry about the upcoming election here in America? About the with the title of this uh, short film. Well, I think the asshole industrial complex has certainly led us to this moment in time yeah. and this tipping point. Um, you do not have to be a dick to be a great leader. Uh, and I think that there are a number of, in my opinion, great examples of that. I would cite Barack Obama I was gonna say, yeah. being one of them, you know people might disagree with me speaking of chicago but i do think i do think he yes chicago is a big part of the story i do think that that this election is going to be potentially hazardous and 
but you didn't. But you asked about uh, the the documentary first. I, I think it's very tempting and easy to say, well, you know, being a dick is the and being just an asshole kind of stereotype of a drill sergeant is what being a leader looks like. And I think it's like kind of a a, a cop out. I think that being you need to kind of be the leader that I, I was struggling with it too. Again, like I, the reason I made that documentary is because I had. I'm kind of a do-it-yourself filmmaker. I kind of a, uh, I, I do it all. And I was making films like that for a long time. And then all of a sudden I got this opportunity to make this feature. And to me, this was huge. It was a small kind of indie, independent film to, in a lot of ways before Warner Brothers came in and bought it. And, but all of a sudden I was working with a lot of people and I had to figure out management, like, you know, it's one thing to, to make everything yourself in your in your bedroom, and it's another thing to kind of lead of you know hundreds of people in, in creating a piece of art. And I hadn't really learned management, Man, you know, one of the best ways to manage people and get the best out of people, and that's like a whole skill that's separate from storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. And in fact, I came away from that experience being like, oh my god, this is the important, this is the skill I need to learn, like storytelling, storyboarding. You know, which music goes with which theme, what happens to the characters. That's like, that's all the fun stuff. So the hard stuff is like, how am I going to win the respect of, of my crew and, and make sure they're all pulling in the right direction? How am I going to get the best out of them? How do I, when someone messes up or isn't doing what, what I would like them to, what's the best way to deal with that? Um, and I learned, I just was like, oh my God, I don't have any of these skills. So I made this documentary where I kind of, kind of an education, my own education in, in leadership. And it was very cathartic to make it. And I, it definitely has helped me out a lot. And I, I think it's spoken to a number of people too who see it. It continues to kind of to go around and around. And, you know, the, the takeaway of it, um, you should watch it. But the, the simple takeaway of it is like you need to be the you need to understand the kind of person that you are, your nature, and then you need to build you need to kind of become a leader that leads from that part of yourself. So if you're not a natural born dick, that's actually good because dicks, though they might though they can be very successful in business and leadership they're often very unsuccessful and unhappy in their, in their relationships and in their private personal lives. They pay a high price for being, being a dick. Uh, there's also a great book by John Ronson called um, The Psychopath Test, which is also kind of talks about, you know, psychopaths, sociopaths who are like at the top of companies and, and businesses and, and government. But, so if you're not a natural-born dick, good for you. Being a leader, it can maybe be a little harder for you to figure out, but it, but you can figure it out. You just need to kind of figure out what your strengths are as the person that you are, uh, and then and then lead from that. And one example of that that I like to think about is I used to cut directors' reels, um, and it became kind of a de facto mentorship of of how I learned to, to make films and stuff. And I had one director who's a great director. Uh, she's Canadian 
And she's like, I'm a hugger. You know, I just play the Canadian card and I, I just, you know, I, I diffuse any tension on set with actors or people, you know, saying, oh, I'm Canadian and we like to hug people. So, so she kind of like uses her Canadian myth and her hugging myth as a way of kind of disarming people off the bat and diffusing that tension that might come from kind of being in a power position. And like, that's a good example of her, of someone who's not a dick, who's leading with, you know, she found a, a kind of persona that was easy for her to kind of lean into and then use it to, to be effective as a leader. Um, and there are a lot of ways that we can all do that. And, and so that led to me making this. And now I've actually, not that you guys, you didn't ask about this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I have a new series coming out. It's going to come out in the spring at some point. I think around April but maybe a little little later, uh, it's on happiness. And it's a doc series, uh, a multi-part doc series I've made on on happiness and and specifically on the science of happiness. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's there's plenty of of kind of like memes and op-eds about happiness that are all very helpful and great, but there's a lot of also interesting cutting-edge science about happiness and what it actually, what happiness actually is, how we can, how we can optimize for it, and you know, get away from our own, you know, internal uh, internal struggles and strife and, and unhappiness. Um, and so that's been a very illuminating journey that I'm excited to share with people too. And, and where and when is is that coming out? That is going to be coming out on my YouTube channel, uh, which is where gifts and bookstores uh, also live. Okay. So you can look for it there. Well, well you are not a dick or yeah. an asshole. Yep, exactly. I'm tell you, you're right. And, and, <laughs> and you know how we know that for sure is if, if, uh, if you had seen us trying to get Max on the air uh, to, to record this, and he was so patient with us. Uh, kind of like when you're talking to your grandparents and and they can't quite figure out this. How do you turn on this computer? I don't right, right, understand. Right. Yeah, it was a little uncalled for when you said, "How old are you guys?" That was a little that was a little uncalled for, but that's fine. But but you were very patient with us, and it was worth it. I'm happy that we finally figured out how to do it. Yeah, we've got and, the blinking uh, the blinking clock on our VCR. Can you fly right, in from yes. uh, Brazil to help us out we, with that? <laughs> got a few things that we need some help with but uh thank you very much max uh, this has been great it's been, been a great a great, uh, great honor to have you on and and wish you the best of luck and continued success thanks guys thanks for having me and and uh and reaching out oh, are you there and uh good good luck with your uh connection uh, with future guests. <laughs> so, we have a no Brazil rule from now only, on, to be honest with you. It can only get better from here, is the way I'm looking at it. <laughs> I, I am just going to, I am, after we get off the phone, I'm just going to rip Rick a new asshole. And I am going to be exactly the yeah. opposite of, I, I am totally going to be a dick in a few seconds. Yes. Uh, he does it naturally, though. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so authenticity is what I like to call it. Yeah. Thanks, Max. Have hey, a good Max, one. We appreciate well, it. Natural, natural assholes only. Yes, exactly. exactly. Thanks, buddy. Really appreciate it. Talk to you later.
Bye bye. Okay. Take care. Bye. You know that was great. It was. Yeah. I'm glad we did. It really was embarrassing. I mean, we, we're trying to do FaceTime audio. This is a new gadget. Yeah. I've got a new gadget here. So I'm trying to figure it out. People who listen to the show probably don't realize that I'm not the most technically adept <laughs> yeah. person. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That, uh, that no is one a, has that that's history. That's a surprise. No one has that history. But he was great. I mean, what a and what a great body of work, right? I mean, he's the catfish, and then he's got... Um, the 15 minutes of shame and then it's just, and the movie is yeah. with Zach Efron yeah, yeah. is, I mean, is pretty good too. So, I mean, so, uh, um, well, we've got people to thank. Uh, we need to thank Brandon, uh, Herman mm-hmm. for, uh, scoring, uh, this guest for us. Thank you, Brandon. We need to thank Tony Lasano, mm-hmm. who is the executive producer of Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Um, he, Silla. yeah, right. he, he, uh, is probably been wondering what the heck's going on here, but now we've got a new show for right, him. Right. That uh, he Ed, has to now go through all this editing. So Right. Ed Silla, it's Rick's fault. who is uh, the person that distributes this show. Thank you very much, Ed. And uh, we'll be back again. Now Now we've got it all figured out. <laughs> we'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of Minutia Men Celebrity <laughs> Interview. The Proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Go to your IDM, IMDB page.